Welcome to IEQ Radio, the voice of the indoor air quality industry. Yes, the rules have changed. have changed. Good day wherever you're listening from and welcome to Indoor Air Quality Radio, IAQ Radio for Friday, February 4th, 2011. This week, episode 195 comes to you from Studio C in beautiful McKees Rocks, Pennsylvania. My name is Radio Joe, Joe Hughes, and here with me in the studio at the controls is our engineer, Austin Powers Novak. Stone cold, Novak, that is. And I think we've got the Z-Man on the line. Hello, Cliff. Hey, Joe. How are you? Great, Sunny thanks. here. Good day. About 80 degrees. Oh, my. Nice, nice. Well, you're not missing a whole lot here in the Berg or in Dallas from what I hear. So right. I guess things are rough all over. All right. Today's uh, guest will be Mr. John Schulte, the Executive Director of the National Air Duct Cleaners Association. Uh, Mr. Buck Shepard, their president, had an emergency this morning, and John was kind enough to fill in. And he's also very knowledgeable about the recent Dateline NBC expose on bait and switch. We're going to talk bait and switch today. We'll also have our halftime, IE Connections, What's News with Glenn Fellman. Of course, we'll have the roundup with Dr. Dietrich Wow, and uh, we'll get back to questions in just a minute. Before we start, make sure you check out the iaqradio.com website. We've been adding a blog and updating the website every week after the show. Check it out at iaqradio.com. Before we get started, let's thank our marquee sponsors. Indoor Environment Connections, the newspaper for the IAQ industry. Subscriptions and advertising information are available at ieconnections.com. John Don Products, where restoration and abatement contractors shop at johndon.com. Clean Facts and Cleaning and Maintenance Management Magazine, your source for cleaning and maintenance news. Visit them at cleanfacts.com and cmmonline.com. Please be sure to thank our sponsors for their support of IEQ Radio when you inquire about their services and products. All right. To contact the show, of course, you can follow the directions on our newsletter that goes out every week before the show, or you can go to the iaqradio.com website, go to the link at the top that says go to the show. That will take you to the TalkShoe website, and you can just stream us live. You can download us later, or you can go, of course, to iTunes and download the show later. Don't forget, we also have those ABIH, IICRC, and ACAC. Oh, man, the acronym police will get me here. Um, renewal credits by <laughs> emailing me at joe.hughes at iaqtraining.com, and we'll get you out the uh, continuing education certification. Last but not least, please visit the IAQ Training Institute website for the most current dates for the training you trust at iaqtraining.com. Just added a new course up in Minneapolis, and we'll be going to Portland as well. Let's turn it over to the Z-Man for today's IAQ Radio trivia question. Thanks, Joe. Win a cool prize by outcompeting fellow IAQ radio listeners and being the first person to correctly answer the IAQ radio trivia question each week. Submitting your answer is easy. Email it to czlotnick at cs.com 
or if you're listening to the show live via your computer, just text in your answer. Congratulations. Two, Andy Krasowski, Comcast Metal Products and Mars PA, for answering the prior week's question, correctly identifying perchloroethylene as the non-flammable synthetic dry cleaning solvent introduced to the market in the 1930s and still the most common solvent used for this purpose today worldwide. The IEQ Radio Trivia question for Friday, February 4th, 2011, has been sponsored by Cochrane and Associates, the indoor air quality industry's dedicated marketing and public relations firm. Now for this week's trivia question. Where in the U.S. Code of Federal Regulations is guidance regarding and switch advertising found? Back to you, Joe. All right. Thank you, Cliff. And uh, let's get on with today's show. We've got the executive director for the National Air Duct Cleaners Association. He will be on the line here. I've got to unmute Mr. John Schulte. John is the executive director, as I noted. He's been with NADCA for numerous years now. I don't have his bio with me, but we're going to play a little intro. We got a music. We got a little something from oh, my favorite, Austin. And my soul, I tell you my soul, I tell you my soul has got to move, there's a leak in the soul building, and my soul, I got another building, building not All right, there's a leak in this old building you got today, John. Do we have you on the line? I am here, yes. Thank you, Jeff. Uh, great. Thanks for coming back. Uh, we've had you on at least once, maybe twice before, and uh, great to have you back. Hey, thanks for having me back. I appreciate it. By the way, Cliff, we've got a, I don't know if you're online, but it looks like we've got an answer already, and somebody actually beat uh, the champion, Andy Krasnowski. All right, well, that's good. <laughs> John Lapater is back. All right. All well, right. John, um, last, I guess it was Sunday evening, I had heard it was coming up. There was an expose by Dateline NBC on, I guess it was just bait and switch in general, but they focused on duck cleaning specifically. And you and I talked briefly before the show, and I was curious, uh, there was a prominent mention of NADCA in that little segment that they did on this uh, issue, and I'm curious, how long had you been working with them, and uh, how did you get involved? Yeah, we uh, we were first contacted by Dateline as far back, it was probably last June 2010, and at first it was very low level. They, uh, they just called us, and they were asking some basic questions, talking about, you know, the fact that they were looking into doing something on, on our industry, and any time... Anytime you get a call from somebody like Dateline, you know, your your radar goes up and you're trying to evaluate, okay, you know, are they coming after us or, you know, how's this, how's this segment going to be slanted? Um, but we, we ended up working with them and, they, you know, nothing happened for a while. And uh, we got a call. We were actually down in Florida at a meeting and uh, a bunch of us, including Buck Shepard, our president, uh, we basically had to leave from Florida and we flew up to Cincinnati, Ohio, in September, and we did filming for about a week. And uh, they were very secretive about exactly what they were going to be doing. So we kind of, you know, showed up on site, and you know, the day of the filming, and they said, "Okay, here's what's going on." Uh, so it was it was an interesting project, but that's how it got started. You know, they just uh, I guess they were looking at the scams in the industry, and they started doing their research, and they found NADCA. Any idea why they I, – I think this is a somewhat new format. I know they've done this type of thing before, but um, it seemed like it was somewhat new or they were just putting out a new show this year. And why would you think they chose to focus on uh, something like duck cleaning as early as they did? Right. Uh, well, uh, Chris Hansen, you know, and Dateline in particular, you know, if you look at it, they, they do tend to focus on either scams – or they also, you know, look for things that are just, I guess, consumers would just find appalling, you know, whether it's a criminal activity or whatever. 
Uh, Chris Hansen, in particular, the uh, the on-camera person we worked with who did this segment, uh, he kind of specializes in these investigative reports where they do exposés. And, you know, they were in this particular segment. It was a one-hour segment, but they uh, they took a look at, uh, what was it? There was a, a guy who was a therapist who was, you know, uh, previously a registered sex offender. Yeah, they yeah. Also, I mean, you know, and they, they also had a, uh, a psychic on there, and, and then they focused on air duct cleaning for the third portion of that. Uh, but, you know, when, when you look at it, these, uh, these air duct cleaning scams, they're actually not new. This has been around for a really long time, you know, more than 10 years. But um, I don't know, for whatever reason, maybe because of the recession or people are paying more attention to their money, uh, we have noticed a big increase in the amount of attention that these scams are getting, uh, not only from, you know, local media in most cases, uh, but also national media. And, you know, we've even worked with some of the government agencies in different parts of the country, places like Cook County, Illinois, Johnson County, uh, Kansas, which is Kansas City, and also uh, here close to the D.C. area, Montgomery County, Maryland. They've, they've gone after these guys pretty hard. I just saw a, an article about the, I think it was the Cook County, uh, I guess it was a sting or something. They, they actually pressed some charges against people there. Are you familiar with that one? Uh, I know less about that when they did send us a courtesy copy of the complaint, and I don't know if it was resolved or not. This goes back several months, uh, but they basically went after him, and they, you know, these, you know, you're talking about a district attorney who has the authority to uh, pursue some, you know, fairly heavy fines for these companies and uh, restitution for the victims. Um, so I know they go after them for tens of thousands of dollars, and that's that's true also for Maryland and for Kansas. I've got a text from a listener, John, and he's asking if there's a link uh, for the video that was shown on Dateline. Do you know if that's available, or do you have something linked from the NADCA website maybe? I, I believe it. we were posting it on our site, uh, but I don't know if it's up yet. Uh, but there is a link, and... Uh, if it's not on our site, it will be up there soon. The uh, the video is also available uh, if you do a search for Dateline. Um, you can get the whole segment, but it's broken down into parts, including some footage that was not shown on the segment that aired. You know, that's something I'm interested in, and, and I, I want to get Cliff in here in just a minute, but before I do, I want to, you know, we kind of advertised this. First, we, we thought Buck was going to be with us. We're sorry he can't be, and we'll hopefully, hopefully get him back on a later show. But you're, you're obviously very knowledgeable about this as well. Do you think the focus was on the bait-and-switch tactic or improper cleaning or some other type of scam? I mean, was it something that was supposed to fake, focus on this bait-and-switch? Yeah, from, from the outset, that was the main focus of the segment. You know, they, they mostly, uh, they mostly were looking at these companies and it's prevalent in the industry. Uh, they talk about it in the segment, but these guys, uh, send these coupons out for, you know, un- unbelievably low prices for, you know, uh, whole house air duct cleaning. You know, you're talking about under a hundred dollars. And the next thing, you know, uh, you know, usually it's elderly consumers, but, and, and women, you know, home homemakers, uh, they're expecting to pay under a hundred dollars, and the next thing you know, they're staring at a bill that's over a thousand dollars. So that was the that was the primary focus of the segment. Uh, as they got into it, they realized that not only are these guys charging a lot more money than what their their initial offer would lead you to believe, uh, but they also just aren't doing a good job. So we kind of helped work with them on that to shape that part of the article. Okay, let's bring Cliff in here. I think we've got you unmuted, Cliff, and I know that you have a particular interest in this whole bait-and-switch topic. You've dealt with it in the past, and I was wondering if you had any comments or questions. Well, uh, I, I think, first of all, I think these things occur in a lot of different industries, from retail to service and, and so on and so forth. And, you know, the Code of Federal Regulations outlines exactly uh, what people can do and what people can't do. And it really depends on what is the intent uh, of the service provider of the store in these particular situations. And if 
you know, I think it's perfectly legal for them to offer uh, this low price and then to try to upsell it. And the difference is if the consumer doesn't want to pay for the upsell stuff, uh, the company needs to be able to provide the service that's advertised at the price that it's advertised. And, you know, the, you know, the bait is the... Uh, uh, is, is the low price. And then the switch is where it kind of becomes illegal. So it really has to be a conscious decision on, on the part of the consumer to whether or not they want to go along with it or they don't. And John, was that the, you know, was that essentially what, uh, I'm sorry, Dateline was looking at there? Is, does that pretty well describe what we're discussing here? Oh, yeah. I mean, if uh, if you saw the segment, there was the, the the most egregious of the two, uh, the two houses that got cleaned, the two cases they showed, the two examples with the one company, uh, the the consumer was responding to a, a call, you know, a coupon for forty nine ninety five, you know, forty nine forty nine dollars and ninety five cents, and there there's some fine print on there about what they would clean, but if you looked at it, and and obviously you know they they took all of uh, all that footage and really edited it down quite a bit, but what happened is. No sooner was the guy in the house, uh, he went downstairs to her furnace, and within a few minutes he came back and he started explaining to the consumer, oh, you have soot in your HVAC system, and as a result we can't clean it. And uh, the reality is he was just looking for an excuse. There's no way he could have made the determination he did based on the actions he took. Uh, so it was, it was no question. It was a clear case of bait and switch from what we saw. And that was the second guy, if I recall correctly, John. The first guy went in, if I recall correctly, and he actually cleaned the system, and Natka's representative, Buck Shepard, went in, looked at it, and said, you know, the guy actually did a pretty decent job on cleaning the system, but he didn't do it for the price that he first offered. Is that accurate? That's accurate, and... uh you know, the funny thing was, even though Dateline switched the switched the order around, the guy you saw first, uh, actually, he was the second guy we watched during the filming, and compared to compared to the other guy, you know, the the one technician working by himself, uh, he he did a credible job. He he didn't follow our standard or do things necessarily, you know, 100% the way we would recommend, but at least you could watch that guy and get the sense that he was trying to do a good job. Uh, so, you know, comparatively speaking, yeah, he was head and shoulders above the above the other guy who, you know, sprayed the chemicals in the basement and stuff like that. Just, you know, I mean, that, that guy, that was criminal. Well, let's stick with the first guy for just a minute, and then we'll go to the second, okay. because I, I'm, I'm trying to go along the lines of Cliff's comments on bait and switch to make sure that we are fair with everybody and that we try and, perform a service here with the show so the first guy comes in he says uh you know we've got this 49.95 deal he goes down he looks at it and he basically comes back and says well uh that doesn't cover certain things and it's going to be about i think it was like 400 dollars in the end for the first guy what did he actually do did he clean the air handling unit did he clean the blower did he clean the coils if there were any and how did he clean the air ducts he, uh, and that's correct. He, you know, that guy, when he came in, he set up some equipment and he did, you know, part of the system. And after he finished that, he went up and talked to, that was the elderly couple at, in, at that house. And he talked to them and said, okay, you know, I've done part of it in accordance with, uh, you know, what we agreed on the, the coupon. He said, but you really need these other things. And, uh, you know, he basically jumped from, from that forty nine ninety five price. Uh, I don't remember. It was anywhere $400, $500, somewhere in that range, if I remember. Uh, there was there was an initial offer that was closer to 1000 uh in terms of the, the upsell opportunity. But, yeah, it did come back down. So, you know, because Dateline was there, they just went ahead and agreed to it. And the guy did come back, and he, uh, he cleaned the air ducts, and um, he... I think he did some cleaning on a humidifier, and he talked to the consumers. Uh, he, you know, one of the things he didn't do was he didn't pull the vents off the wall and and really get in there as well as you know we would have normally liked to have seen him do it. Um, but he, you know, you could see him in the one section where he's uh, 
he's got some kind of wand that he's weaving through the through the vent, for example. Mm-hmm. So he he was at least making an effort to do the job. It looked like he was doing maybe some air washing, and he was pushing it back down to some primary vacuum collection equipment, which was heartening to see. I mean, I didn't like the bait-and-switch part of things, but at least he appeared to be conscientious in trying to do the job the right way. Well, yeah, and that's it. Compared to compared to the other guy, you know, he at least hooked up a, a vacuum collection unit and used it, um, and he went to the the individual vents and you know i mean he was there for probably close to three hours whereas the other guy was there for less than an hour cliff well one of the things that uh the code of federal regulations looks at too is the compensation for the people that are doing the work uh, if the salesmen are penalized for selling the bait which is the you know the 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 the, the price merchandised uh, product that's in the coupon, and they're penalized for that. There are specific governmental regulations that that violates. So that's probably something else, I guess, that the attorney generals look at in these cases as well. John, any idea how these guys were compensated? In this particular case, uh, we do not know how they were compensated. I, I have heard people talking about this, and you know, the general consensus from what I've heard is usually when you're looking at one of these situations where you have a coupon type of a you know low price offer uh... the deal is that the you know the the technician basically keeps half of the revenue generated from the sale i see so they upsell it and then depending on how much they get they get half of that in some cases And, and i would imagine there's companies that they're just an hourly employee that is trained on how to you know, they, they don't know any better, and they think, hey, this is the way the business works. You go in and you um, give them this base service for the forty nine ninety nine or seventy nine ninety nine, and then you tell them, hey, it only covers these certain things, and, and we need more. Do you run into both of those things? I, I don't know. Again, uh, as far as the compensation goes, I'm sure there's any number of ways that these companies manage this. I will tell you in this one case in particular, what was interesting to everybody from Dateline and, and from our perspective, uh, the one the one technician that you guys saw first, uh, who you know was trying to do a good job, when he was talking to the elderly couple about the pricing, he he apologized repeatedly uh, about having to offer these. You know, talking about how the company requires me to make these offers. I I, I can't tell you. Probably apologized ten or twenty times. Uh, during that part of this whole thing. And we were just sitting there shaking our heads like, you know, it, it became apparent that he wasn't really comfortable with what he was doing, but he felt like that was his job. And maybe he needed the work. And, Could be. You know, I mean, I, I talked to Buck before the show, and, he, you know, we're going to talk about the second guy who was a flat-out, I thought he was a lazy piece of you know what but um you know he was he was a disgrace i mean just a disgrace who who went in there not only upsold them but then didn't do the job properly and we'll talk about that more as we go along but i talked to buck about that off the air before the show and i said buck what do you think you know what do you think the difference between these two scenarios was why did the one guy actually do the job even though for more than was originally contracted and the other guy went in got more than was originally contracted, but also didn't do the job. His impression was that, sort of like you what just said here, that the first guy just had a conscience, and uh, he, he wanted to do the job properly. Mm-hmm. And the second guy, I don't know if the second guy even knew how to do the job properly. Did you have any idea if he was certified in any way or had been gone through any training? And, you know, all you could come away with after watching that, uh, you know, the guy, the guy who really did the the worst job I've ever heard of in my entire life. His name, you know, was Sean, and uh, if if you watched what he was doing, it it didn't seem apparent that he had any training. You know, he may have uh, he may have had some training on how to get money out of consumers and things like that, but uh, it didn't seem like he really understood what he was doing or why he was doing it or anything. I mean, it was. Like you said, it was just despicable. Well, can you describe for the listeners who haven't seen the show yet what happened with this second gentleman? Why don't we go ahead and describe that before halftime, and then we'll go into halftime. 
see if Cliff has any comments before halftime, and then we'll come back and go into a little more detail. Sure. Uh, what what happened was, you know, when this uh, the second crew showed up, uh, they pulled up in their pickup truck, and Buck and some of the Dateline guys were uh, undercover. You know, they were in a back room in the house that was closed off, and they had all of their equipment and everything set up, so there were undercover cameras going the whole time. And I actually watched them from across the street in a neighbor's house. But they came in, and, you know, they uh, basically said, okay, you know, let us take a look at your system. And, you know, they went downstairs, and... Uh, the, the guy drilled, uh, or actually he opened the panel and maybe stuck his hand in there and got a little bit of dust out of it. I mean, literally, you know, stuck his hand in the ductwork somehow and got enough dust on his index finger, immediately wiped it off his pants, and then they went up and started the process of changing the price. And um, that's when he started, you know, explaining to the consumer uh, that she must have had a different HVAC system in there previously and there must have been soot. And he went on about this soot thing, and then he said, because of that, we can't clean your system. So he said, since we can't clean it, uh, you know, we, we recommend applying this, uh, he called it soot set. And, you know, there were some other things he needed to do, cut uh, two different access openings. Um, and they also said they would spray an antimicrobial product in there. Uh, so, the, again, the consumer said, okay, you know, go, go on with the project. And... Uh, and they proceeded from there to, you know, one of the things they did, they charged it for two access openings, and they only cut one, uh, but they did patch up both. Yeah, they so covered they up the it. second one as <laughs> if it had been cut, and then they put a square sheet of metal. That was beautiful. Uh, right, and that was unbelievable. Um, and you hear about those kind of things, but I'd never seen it before. Um, so, yeah, they, they did that, and then, you know, they uh, – they taped off the registers. The other guy was taping off the registers, and I guess he was using uh, some kind of handheld vacuum cleaner to clean out just as much as he could reach either the the, the vents or maybe he was going down into the uh, into the ductwork from the vents. But while he was doing this, he wasn't using a HEPA-filtered unit, so I don't even know if he had a filter on there. It didn't look like it because there's dust blowing out the back of this thing right, right, I mean, literally into the into the consumer so it looks like it's snowing um unbelievable so <laughs> it was unbelievable i have to tell people john <laughs> it was like i've never seen a consumer and she was so patient she sat there and all this dust is floating around her head uh and they showed it beautifully go ahead i'm sorry yeah that's okay uh, <laughs> she she was an amazing person uh, her name was judy and she was just great to work with uh so she let them finish what they're doing. They uh, they put some tape over the the vents at that point, and then they went back to the guy downstairs. And what he did was, um, you know, he cut the one opening and he takes out his fogger and he turns it on and he blows, you know, turns on his fogger and he turned on the HVAC system. So he's using positive pressure basically to blow this chemical through the ductwork. Meanwhile, you got tape on the ductwork on the other side, you know, upstairs. Yep. So the tape starts flapping, and there's chemical blowing out of there. I mean, it's, you know, it's it's a circus. Um, and then on top of everything else, this this technician Sean downstairs with the fogger, he starts spraying the fogger just out into the basement to uh, basically put the fog in the basement, and and the whole house smelled like this chemical. Uh, so I, I think the reasoning there was so the consumer felt like, okay, I can smell the chemicals. I know they're doing something. Wow. So after that, they, uh, they did a few other things here and there, but mostly they just, uh, sat around, let some time go by. So it looked like they had invested something in, in this project. And then, uh, at one point the consumer, I, I, you know, she's sitting there coughing and, the the technician, Sean is explaining to the woman that he used an antimicrobial chemical and what it does is treat mold. So since she has mold in her house, she's probably breathed in the mold over time. And the reason she's coughing is that the antimicrobial chemical is is killing the mold in her lungs. Wow. Uh, which, you know, I mean, at that point, you're left speechless. Amazing, John. It is close to halftime. Cliff, do you have any comments before we go to halftime? Uh, just a short one. I just wanted to ask John: Are these real consumers, or were these actors that they um, used? 
These were real consumers. The the elderly couple, uh, their house was impeccably clean going in. Uh, And again, that was the second one that was actually filmed. The first one that you saw, um, that was the first one you saw. But uh, and the other, the other, you know, uh, the widower was in her seventies, Judy, and um, you know she was she was a, a, an angel to put up with. What you know, I was terrified when I eventually walked in the house and the chemical smell was very overpowering. And you know, I, I, I after I saw the footage, I was just floored at what she was willing to, to absorb. Now, do I have this right, John? These were probably in similar areas within, you know, maybe 50 square miles or 50 miles. That's right. And then it was the same company, but two different crews. That's correct. And now that company has disappeared. Uh, Apparently within a couple of days after uh, Chris Hansen confronted him on camera, when they called him back out to uh, Judy's house, um, the, the company just shut its doors, and that was it, you know. And uh, I've talked to one of our members in that area, and he said that company, they haven't heard from them since then. They used to see coupons coming out of there all the time. Uh, but there is a, a new company that just popped up, and lo and behold, there's new coupons to go with it. Wow. You know, and I have to just tell listeners that haven't seen it, the the scene that really is just is amazing is when this, this guy, Sean, comes back and Chris Hansen comes in and explains to him that, you know, we don't think you quite did this right. And he goes, oh, no, well, we put in these access panels and so on. And and Chris Hansen goes, well, I, you know, what about that panel over there? And he's like, oh, yeah, that's an access panel. There's a round hole behind there. And uh, he takes off the, the cover and, and there's no hole. And he goes, well, I'll be, I've got to call somebody on this, you know. And, and Chris Hansen <laughs> just goes, you know what, uh, don't waste your time. We've got you on tape. Actually, you're the guy that did this, not somebody else, you know. And it was just <laughs> so obvious, his discomfort. Um, but it was, it was amazing. Uh, and then he came back and tried to apologize to the customer and everything. But uh, we'll, we'll talk more about that after the break. Let's do our halftime break here and then uh, we'll be back. Right. Our association sponsors are the National Air Duct Cleaners Association, NADCA, is the leading authority for information on HVAC inspection, cleaning, and restoration. Visit NADCA at www.nadca.com. The Indoor Air Quality Association, a nonprofit, multidisciplinary organization dedicated to promoting the exchange of indoor environmental information through education and research. Visit them at iaqa.org. And thanks to our advertisers, Gray Wolf Sensing Solutions, who use advanced sensor software technology and embedded computers to provide superior environmental test instrumentation. Visit them at wolfsense.com. Legends Environmental Insurance Services, the experts in insurance for environmental and consultants and contractors for over 20 years. Learn about them at legends-enviro.com. And, of course, our marquee sponsors, Indoor Environment Connections, the newspaper for the IAQ industry, subscriptions, and advertising information available at ieconnections.com. John Don Products, where restoration and abatement contractors shop. Visit them at johndon.com. And, of course, Clean Facts and Cleaning and Maintenance Management Magazine, your source for cleaning and maintenance news. Visit them at cleanfactswithanx.com and cmmonline.com. Please be sure to thank our sponsors for their support of IQ Radio when you inquire about their products and services. Okay, in just a moment, we're going to go to IE Connections What's News, but before we do, we've got a, a really special guest that's called in. Prior to the big game on Sunday, the Super Bowl coming up, and as you know, the Pittsburgh Steelers are in the game, and we've got uh, James Harrison with a comment on the game. Like I said, I don't want to hurt nobody. Um, I don't want to step on nobody's foot or hurt their toe. I don't want to have no dirt or none of this rubber on this field flying to their eye and make their eye hurt. I, don't want, I just want to tackle them softly on the ground and uh, 
If y'all can, we'll lay a pillow down where I'm going to tackle them so they don't hit the ground too hard, <laughs> Mr. Goodell. Thank you, James. We appreciate that. And uh, take it easy on those Packers Sunday, please. <laughs> Got the what's news? Right, our association's oh, wrong clip. We'll come, we'll get it. We've got our intro music for Mr. Feldman. There we go. I just love your office. A newspaper man has to have a good story. Writing just news is so factually boring. I get assignments that any could do. I am the scapegoat for all of the group. A figure they laugh at, but then I'll be a leader of men. Oh, leader of men and women, Glenn Feldman. Do we have you on the line? I'm on the line, Joe. How are you? Good, good day, Glenn. You ready for the Super Bowl? You know I am, and and I have to say one of the things I respect most about IAQ Radio is that it is a you know impartial, non biased <laughs> show. <laughs> you, you've proven that today. Really, no. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, we we couldn't help but help ourselves here. We got uh, stone cold at the controls. Came up with that one. That was a good one. Hey, you know, before I get to what's news, I want to just make a comment. There's, I think that there's something very, very significant about the the Dateline uh, expose that uh, people aren't recognizing. I've I've talked to a few duck cleaners who've said, uh, you know, that that kind of gives a black eye to the industry. I disagree wholeheartedly. What, what is remarkable to me about this Dateline show is that for the first time that I can remember, the question wasn't, you know, is duck cleaning necessary or is it beneficial? That was taken as a given. Yes, it's, it's necessary and it's beneficial. You know, the, the, the angle of the show was it's a, it's a necessary service, but there's some scammers out there that you need to be careful about. And that's a different twist, you know, from, from the media's perspective in the past, where you've seen television shows that have just questioned whether you know, it should even be done or not. So I, I look at that as a very positive thing. I agree. Anyway. Well said, Glenn. Thank you. All right. So let's talk about what's news in Indoor Environment Connections in February. Uh, our cover story this month is a new study says filters reduce cardiovascular problems. And it's a new study that has been found that using air filters reduces the risk of cardiovascular disease caused by air pollution. The investigation, published January 24th in the Journal of the American Thoracic Society's uh, American Journal of Respiratory and Critical Care Medicine, studied adults living in a small community in British Columbia uh, where wood-burning stoves are the main source of pollution. It found that uh, HEPA filters reduce the amount of airborne particulate matter resulting in improved blood vessel health and reductions in blood markers that are associated with an increased risk of cardiovascular disease. Uh, they recruited 45 adults from 25 homes for this study. Uh, we've got some commentary on the study itself and other uh, similar studies that show the benefits of using high-efficiency air filtration uh, from, from Alvik at the National Air Filtration Association in that cover story. So look for that coming in the mail shortly or uh, online at ieconnections.com. Another uh, topic we take on this month is a, a very interesting article, Nurses Demanding Healthier School Environments. Uh, an association of school nurses is urging the federal government to complete congressional mandated environmental health guidelines for the states in an effort to help address deteriorating school conditions. Uh, this was a, uh, uh, from a survey data which was collected by the National Association of School Nurses and it challenges the Environmental Protection Agency's and other agencies' assumptions about how effectively states and local schools are managing IAQ and other K-12 environments. I think it's a significant uh, in that when you have school nurses speaking up this loud uh, through their organization, you know, it adds to the concerns that you're hearing from the school unions, uh, the teachers' unions, rather, and the PTAs, and so hopefully this will lead to better school environments. You can read about that on page 11 in February's Indoor Environment Connections. I also wanted to spend a few minutes today to talk about some upcoming events. There are uh, three really great events coming up in roughly the next uh, month or month and a half. Uh, first on the agenda, we've got the Indoor Air Quality Association's 14th Annual Meeting and Indoor Air Expo. Uh, that's going to be held starting uh, just next week. It's February 15th through the 17th in San Antonio, Texas. What's uh, cool about this show is, is that the 
Indoor Air Expo is uh, co-produced by the Air Conditioning Contractors Association, Indoor Air Quality Association, and the Radiant Panel Association. And actually, starting in 2013, uh, ResNet's going to be joining that group as well. The uh, IAQA meeting schedule is awesome. It has some really great stuff on it. There's a whole day on healthy home and healthy building professionals. Uh, we've got folks for coming out from HUD, uh, from the National Centers of Healthy Housing, EPA, CDC, acronym police, don't get me, uh, and a host of others. Uh, it's a great panel, and uh, you can read about that at IAQA.org. Uh, the next event in line, uh, in sequence, I should say, is the Restoration Industry Association's annual convention. That takes place in Colorado Springs from March 8th to 11th. Uh, they call that the uh, RA Leadership Summit and Industry Expo. The expo is looking great. I understand the exhibit hall is about 80% sold out, and uh, they've got a couple couple of good spots left, but uh, they're doing real well with that, and uh, re- registration apparently is robust. Uh, there is an announcement this week from RIA that they have a panel uh, discussion, including presidents of uh, industry organizations, uh, and the pa- panel's called Industries Working Together. It's going to include Paul Pierce, the president of IICRC. It's going to be uh, Carl Grimes, president of IAQA, Jeff Jones, the president of the Association of Rug Care Specialists, Charlie Wiles, the president of the American Council for Accredited Certification, and Frank Heaton, the president of RIA. And I am very fortunate in that I was asked to be a moderator of the panel discussion, so I'll be out there from March 8th to 11th in Colorado Springs. And if you're interested in knowing more about that, visit www.restorationindustry.org. Uh, the four, uh, third event that I, I wanted to mention is the National Air Duct Cleaners Association has its annual meeting at towards the end of March. Uh, I'm sure John Schulte can share some information about that event, but uh, it's always a, uh, a great conference, uh, a lot of good information. that has got some exciting things going on with uh, new certification programs and uh, some other new initiatives. So I look forward to uh, hearing about that, and uh, I wish uh, everybody great conferences and everybody safe travels, especially with this snowy weather. I hear you. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Glenn. As always, we appreciate having you, and uh, I understand you've got a run today. Can't join us for Roundup, but we'll look forward to talking again after the conference. Super. I'll see you soon. Thank you. All right. Let's go back to uh, Mr. John Schulte. And before we do, eight uh, listeners, make sure you get a ch- if you get a chance, check out our new uh, page on Facebook. It's the IAQ Radio program or IAQ Radio show page. Just uh, search for it there and comment on it for us. We'd appreciate it. Uh, all right, John, let's talk a little bit more about the uh, the second guy. Oh, I do have him on. I've got you unmuted here. Um, but... Uh, the the second thing that occurred there was really, I mean, it was just flabbergasting. What what ended up happening? Did they come back out? I mean, did somebody come and actually clean the home? Who cleaned the home after all this mess occurred? Absolutely. We, uh, you know, when we realized the extent of the the work that had been done by the or not done by the 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 one company, the you know, guys who just you know botched it. Um, we talked to Dateline, and this was their project, so we had to kind of work through them to get this done. But we in, we insisted that the house be cleaned uh, properly, the the system be cleaned properly, and and in fact, not even just the HVAC system. Uh, you know, we we recommended to Dateline to bring in uh, like a maid service to help the homeowner get her house back together after, you know, after all the dust and everything had been blown through there. Um, the HVAC system was cleaned uh, probably after Chris Hansen came back out there, so it, there was a period of time for that. Uh, Steve Wattish from High Tech out of the Cincinnati area, uh, his crew came in, and you could see from the before and after photos that they showed uh, on that system that you know Steve and his crew did a great job there. So we really appreciated them stepping up on short notice when we first called them. Uh, they were they were really good to work with. One one other thing I'd like to clarify, and I, I'd like to bring Cliff in on this, and and John, if you want to comment on it as well, I'd I'd like to make sure we get an opportunity. Soot is a a particularly difficult issue when it comes to cleaning in general, whether it's HVAC systems or not. 
but it can be cleaned and there are methods for cleaning it. Uh, you can't, maybe you can't always get all of it, especially when you've got a interior line system, et cetera. But, um, just any comments on that, John? Well, I'll tell you, even though, even though this guy in this case was talking about soot, I don't, I don't believe, you know, there was soot in there. And also he did not, he did not use any soot set. As far as we could tell, he used an antimicrobial, if anything, um, Beyond that, I really I wouldn't want to comment on how to go about cleaning soot or what the limitations are. That's just not my expertise. Let's bring the Z-Man in. Cliff? Well, you know, soot really are particles of incomplete combustion. And what happens in, in a duct system is generally there's going to be dust and other particulate uh, underlying the soot, which happens, you know, from some sort of event. So when you remove the underlying particulate, you remove the, the soot as well. You know, I think so it's primarily a problem when it's the first contaminant you know, that's in the system, and that doesn't happen that often. Yeah, that would be pretty rare. Say you had a new building and there was a fire or, or some type of accident, I guess, would be one of the few times that would happen, huh, Cliff? Right. Cliff, any other comments or questions on from the show for, for John? Well, I, I wonder if John has any suggestions for consumers uh, to prevent uh, being taken advantage uh, like this. Absolutely. Um, even even when we were working with Dayline, and, you know, we get these kind of calls quite a bit, actually. There's uh, local news stations looking at this. We've worked with Angie's List, even, uh, even Consumer Reports in the past. Uh, but in general... You know, we, we strongly recommend that consumers, first of all, you know, spend a little bit of time getting educated about, you know, why they need to have their air ducts clean, their, their heating and air conditioning system cleaned. And from there, you know, what, what constitutes a, a proper cleaning? Um, so we, you know, we publish some videos on our website and things like that. We have printed materials. But the things that we tend to recommend, uh, you know, number one, the, we recommend that the cleaning be done in accordance with industry standards, such as our ACR 2006 standard. Um, we recommend that the company be certified uh, through NADCA. Um, you know, I, I think that's that's important for consumers. They usually they appreciate knowing that uh, the people are trained and qualified to do that type of work. Um, be, beyond that. Uh, they do, you know, we do suggest to consumers that they uh, look for companies that uh, have a good rating in their area with the Better Business Bureau. Uh, we recommend that they make sure the company have insurance. You know, there's a there's a host of things that they can do. Um, I've I've gone to the point where I I started recommending to consumers a few years ago that they actually write on the bill of sale that the work will be done in accordance with NACA standards, and the reason is. Uh, once they put that on the bill of sale, that's their contract with the company. So if there's discrepancy after that, they have a basis for, you know, requiring. It, it, it kind of spells out, okay, you know, if you're if you're doing this work, if you agree to this up front, now we have a basis for how you're going to do the work. That sounds like some good advice even for indoor environmental professionals, consultants who oftentimes after a indoor environmental remediation, say a mold remediation, will recommend there be an HVAC cleaning. Sounds like a good recommendation for them to pass along to consumers as well. Absolutely. Joe, can I, Joe, can I add a couple more as well? Please. Uh, I think, I think number one, uh, we have to really think about the, uh, the role the consumer plays uh, in these situations. You know, if something sounds too good, then it probably is. Uh, and one way that they can prevent this from happening is if they feel uncomfortable, you know, don't be pressured into anything and seek a second opinion. Great, great comments. Excellent. I, I do agree. You know, we have to make sure the consumers also play their role and, and, and do their homework and recognize when things look a little too good to be true. Let me, um, Ask one more quick question that kind of relates to the show, but also ties in NADCA, John. With respect to NADCA, I mean, you're a big organization. You have hundreds, if not, I don't know if you're up to a thousand member organizations or not, but you've got hundreds of groups that are part of NADCA. 
How do you try and discourage this type of activity within your ranks? Is there anything you can do? I know it's got to be tough, but I'm just curious. What what kind of, uh, I guess, safeguards do you put in place? Absolutely. It's, uh, you know, for, for a trade association to kind of police its members, uh, you know, it's it seems like it should be easy to do, but in fact it's, uh, it's pretty tough. Um, and we've had discussions within NADCA about this subject for, you know, since before I got here. You know, it's, it's been an ongoing discussion. But one of the things, one of the things NADCA does, uh, we require members, uh, companies, when they apply for membership, they have to sign our code of ethics, which, among other things, it's a 10-point code of ethics, but it does say that the company will be honest and forthright in their advertising. Uh, they will treat their consumers or customers with uh, integrity. Uh, they won't sell services that aren't needed, and they'll you know, do their work in accordance with NADCA standards. Uh, and if for some reason they aren't going to do that, if there's a, a limitation that prohibits that from happening, they'll let the consumer know that at the time the sale is made. So that at that point, the consumer has an opportunity to decline the service. Um, even with that in place, Ultimately, it goes to what Cliff was talking about. The, the consumer has to take the interest in their house. It, it's, it's their house. It's the consumer's heating and air conditioning system. And uh, consumers who, you know, from our standpoint, if a consumer's dissatisfied with the service they get from one of our members, they do have an opportunity to file a complaint with NADCA. Uh, you know, ordinarily we recommend they try and work it out directly with the company, but if that doesn't happen, if they can't come to a satisfactory resolution, we will work with consumers to try and get those issues resolved. And we don't, we don't get a lot of these. Uh, we might get, you know, three to five during a given year, but, um, you know, that's, that's probably about the extent of what we can do other than just encouraging consumers to take an interest and go do the, do the inspection with the company when the project's finished. And you do have that inspection checklist available right on your website. That's correct. Okay. Let, let me get one more question in, Cliff, and then unless you have something you want to get to, we'll go to the roundup. Oh, go ahead, Joe. All right. I have a question for you, John, on NADCA's research. Um, you had a big project that was announced, I've got to say, at least a year, maybe more ago, that where you were doing some research, and I believe it focused on energy savings and maybe also on how HVAC cleaning may improve indoor air quality. And there's been some uh, recent research that indicates maybe uh, there's no good proof of the indoor air quality claim at this point. But I'm just curious, uh, how's that coming along, and, and where do you see that issue? Okay, well, let's let's talk about two issues that you raised. Let's start with the uh, the energy aspect of it. Uh, the our energy study actually it, it kicked off in 2008, and it was a it's a multi-phase uh, study. The first part of the study dealt with uh, computer modeling, and the second phase dealt with uh, laboratory experiment analysis, where the University of Colorado, our research partner. Really, uh, they have a, a house inside of a laboratory, and they can control all of the environmental factors, you know, just a, a ton of different things, including which way the uh, sun shines. Uh, you know, there's so many things in there. So those first two phases have been done. Uh, the third phase was the field trials, and we've conducted two field trials so far in uh, two houses in, in the state of Colorado. And we'll, you know, this stuff can be kind of complex, but the, the short answer is what we found so far is that when you, when you look at not just air duct cleaning, but when you look at things like uh, having a clean filter on the system, uh, cleaning the coils, cleaning the air ducts, also sealing the, uh, the ductwork, uh, when you add all of that up, the potential savings comes up to about 45%. Wow. So, you know, the, the study has been very, uh, very well done. It's very in-depth. And, I mean, I'll tell you a little about it. What I, what I like about what they're doing is uh, they, they actually they are looking at all energy use uh, within the HV, any, any energy used for HVAC. So let's say it's a gas system 
And they also, there's going to be fans in there that are running on along electricity, running on electricity. They look at the energy change or savings, both for the gas and for the electricity, because all of this stuff adds up. Um, and they, they meter every single component of the system uh, and, and monitor the, the usage beforehand, before cleaning, and after. So they can, they can break down within that 45%. They can show the energy savings attributed to each part of the process. Excellent. And what about on the indoor air quality side? I don't know if that was even a part of this, pro- this research. I don't recall, to be honest with you. Our research wasn't on the indoor air quality portion of it. I, I think the the comment when you when you raised this a minute ago, you you might have been thinking about an article that came out where a uh, a Canadian researcher looked at the literature that's available uh, that you know talks about the uh, improved indoor air quality attributed just to air duct cleaning. Yes. Is that what you were thinking? Yeah, the one I was in in the air, the ISIAC, International Society of Indoor Air Quality and Climate Journal. Okay. Well, the, the one I saw, uh, if it's the same one, the, the researcher looked only at cleaning the air ducts, not the entire heating and air conditioning system. Um, and un- unfortunately, that, you know, from our standpoint, that's like vacuuming your house, but only vacuuming half of it, uh, or cleaning your table after you just had a bunch of friends over, but only cleaning half of the table. You know, from our standpoint, if you're going to clean the heating and air conditioning system, then clean the whole system because, you know, when you look at it, the whole system gets dirty. And if you clean just a portion of it, uh, quite frankly, you end up making things worse because things get loosened up during the cleaning process. But if they don't get removed, then whatever's not removed, as soon as you turn on the unit, it's going to blow out into the occupied space. So the, the studies we've seen that, uh, that you know, find things inconclusive uh, a big a big issue there is that they're just not looking at cleaning the whole system, which is what's called for in the industry standards. Which is what you would never do anything otherwise. I mean, that's the whole point of the uh, ACR 2000, well, now 2006, is that you clean the whole system. That's exactly right. And you check the filters and you clean the coils and all that. That's great. I'm glad, you, I'm glad we brought it up. We discussed it, and I look forward to talking to you a little bit more in the future. We're running low on time. Let me see if we can get Dr. Wow on the line. Let's do the roundup real quick here. We can can you hang in there for an extra couple minutes, John? Absolutely. All right. Hello, Dr. Dietrich. Wow. I know. We... Oh. Good day, Dieter. Do we have you on the line? Yes, I'm here. All right. We cut it a little short. I'm sorry. We ran. So it was such an interesting interview. I ran a little short on time here. Any quick comments or questions? I, uh, well, I don't know how quick they are, but <laughs> John made a couple of excellent points. And yeah, the one thing, first of all, yeah, we know that one bad apple can spoil the whole rest of the gang. So, you know, that industry, which, yeah, I never heard of duck cleaning 10 years ago. Let's put it that way. And I'm in that business, you know. Right, right. Uh, Or for that matter, 15 years ago. Maybe ventilation uh, systems, I guess. You probably knew uh, ventilation systems got cleaned. I knew that from ventilation system, and all my ventilation systems had clean outdoors in them. Ah, okay. But, uh, you know, in the house and so on, there's the one thing that bothers me. He said, oh, there's soot in there. Isn't that why you hire the guy to get the slip out of there? <laughs> you know, I, but anyway, I think they got to watch out that these guys are. I get a local publication over here, which is basically a, a, an advertisement book of about 20 pages, and there must be at least four or five uh, ads in there for duct cleaning. And yeah, the, the, here comes the problem. I don't really know what it should cost. I know it's going to cost more than forty nine ninety five. Um. But, yeah, we have a feel for, you know, how much do I want to pay for a dozen of eggs or a bread 
or <clears throat> a case of beer or yeah uh, yeah something or a gallon of gasoline we use that every you know you come and I said hey duct cleaning I don't know I don't know how somebody how much somebody would charge uh, to sweep my chimney which I don't know whether it needs it but I have no idea is that fifty dollars is that a hundred dollars I know the guy has to drive over here he has a car and Hopefully, we have a, a negative uh, uh, air system on there, which I think is absolutely, and John mentioned that several times, it is absolutely essential that you have a good vacuum system and get the stuff out of the house, not from one place in the house, in your duct, into the house. That's not the idea. <laughs> well said, Dieter. Well, let me ask John real quick. John, uh, we didn't ask that question. What, you know, what kind of guidelines do you give consumers for what? a good thorough HVAC cleaning should cost? We, uh, we generally give them a range. We've, we've grappled with this a few years and tried to figure out, you know, should we even give that kind of information or, or should we just not even address it? And, and since we always get asked this question, uh, in general, we, we explain to consumers that what they should expect is to pay anywhere from $400 upwards of $1,000, of, of and that's that's a pretty big range, but that's based on a 2,000-square-foot house with one HVAC system. Uh, and beyond that, you know, we explain to consumers that there are some variables in there, not the least of which uh, is which part of the country you're living in. If you're living in a, a high-rent district, for example, then you're probably going to be at the higher part of that range. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Dieter, any other quick ones? We're running low on time. Well, yeah, there are. Uh, you know, there is that study. They had filters and cardiovascular uh, diseases, and it was reduced and yes. all of that. Yes, I don't believe a word of that study. If you have 25 families and you do that over one month, I don't think you get good data. I, I, I just can't do it. The other thing is there was that uh, lawsuit with the, the nurses in high schools, or for that matter, schools. Are there different standards for schools? than for a normal house? I don't know that. But uh, as far as Sunday is concerned, I'm the neutral Pittsburgher over here. I'm going to root for New England and I play it safe. <laughs> Just don't bet on New England, Dieter. You'll be all right. <laughs> no, no, I, said, I said I root for it. I put my money some other <laughs> Thanks again, Dieter. Always a pleasure having you join us. And uh, let's, uh, let's, let's see if Cliff has any final comments. Joe, I would just like to get John to clarify something. When he was talking about the energy study that you know, NADCA had just done, uh, he talked about sealing uh, the ductwork, and there are two types of sealing. You know, one is the chemical sealer you know, that goes inside, perhaps after fire damage, and then there's a process that deals with joints uh, of ductwork where pieces come together, and I just wanted him to clarify for the audience which type of ceiling he was referring to in terms of energy saving. That's a great question, Cliff. Thanks. John? Absolutely. Thank you for allowing me to clarify that. When, when I talk about duct sealing, what I'm talking about is gaps, uh, sealing gaps within the ductwork so that the conditioned air stays within the ductwork until it gets to the vent where you're trying to get it to. Okay. Very good. John, so, I, Dieter? If you don't seal that with duct tape, right? <laughs> <laughs> there, there are several techniques, but uh, you know, I, I know duct tape is not one of them. Duct tape is good for everything but duct. Tape. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Dieter. As always, I'll tell you, John. Before we go, is there anything we missed that you'd like to add? I, I tell you what, Joe. We covered a lot of ground. I really appreciate you guys having us on here, and uh, hopefully we can get back again soon. But thanks again for having us. Well, thank you for filling in on short notice and doing a great job, and and thanks to Natka for being a sponsor of IAQ Radio. And before we go, we have to give equal time to our our friends in uh, Green Bay. Tell all the people across the USA, I love my Green Bay Packers. <laughs> All right, enough of that. Thank you there, Austin. We appreciate the equal time here, as always, on IAQ Radio. Well, let me, uh, before we go, thank Dr. Dietrich Weil 
for joining us. Of course, uh, I want to thank John Schulte, the executive director of NADCA, for joining us. Uh, great interview. Thanks so much for filling in on short notice. I want to thank uh, Austin Stone Cold Novak for handling the controls today. Great job. Of course, my co-host, the Z-Man, for calling in from out of time. Thanks, Cliff, and uh, have a great all right have a great day out there and uh most importantly of course oh and I'll, don't forget uh glenn fellman for ie connections what's news but most importantly all of you out there are growing group of loyal listeners check out that iaq radio facebook page and uh come back and join us again next week for the next edition of iaq radio This has been another IAQ Radio production. 